What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. Guys, I just want to thank you so much for listening to the show, for supporting the show and supporting everything that I'm into and paying attention because I'm trying to bring things to you that will elevate you in your life, all areas. I'm committed to that. I'm committed to that. All people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. And in doing that, I bring great guests on this show as well. So I appreciate your listenership. I appreciate your support. Let's keep it going. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, Mike C-Rock, Sirocco, go check that out. Uh, we put these up so you can watch them and instead of listening to them. And also pay attention because Blueprinted is on its way out. It's the new tech product out of the 10X Incubator. We're fired up about that. It's just one of many to come for the future on our way to 10,000. So today I got a guy I met, I heard of him before, but I met him in San Diego at Greg Reed's Secret Knock event. And I believe you spoke too, uh, didn't you, Colin? I did. Yeah, I yeah, definitely uh, had an opportunity to, to speak out there. Yeah. So he was speaking out there as well. And I, you know, me, I just go up to talk to the people that I want to talk to. So Colin Stack has had a lot of success in the digital marketing space and branding. And uh, he's parlayed that into tech and NFTs now. And I just can't wait for him to share with you uh, what he's got going on. But before we do that, Cullen, I got to ask you the question we always ask every guest. What are you made of? Absolutely, Mike. Well, well, first and foremost, I appreciate you having me on the podcast, having me on your show here. It's an honor and I'm super excited to be able to connect with people. And this is a great way to uh, be able to share share the message. So what am I made of? I believe it's a culmination of a lot of things. Being a, an army brat, living all around the world and having the opportunity to uh, have that, that culture and that ability to, uh, to learn from a lot of different people, a lot of different environments, a lot of different things in life. So what am I made of? Uh, I'm made of you know loving people, loving to uh, create things. And I love to really just bring that full, full circle. You know, one thing I'm doing now is really having an impact and making sure that I'm continuing to be a part of a project and continuing to surround myself with people that want to help people. I want to have an impact. So what am I made of is I'm made of making sure that everything that I touch for the rest of my life and really being intentional with it is to help other people and by helping other people help myself. And that means a lot to me. And I'm just really, really excited to be around people like yourself that you know, resonate with that and are doing, doing the same thing to help a lot of people. Awesome, dude. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. And I appreciate that alignment as well, man. Absolutely. And you know, when you're very clear with that mission, then people start to come around you automatically that, that you need for your mission. And then because you're also serving their mission. And it seems like other people that aren't on that will self-select out and you don't have to worry about them. And it's, a, it's an awesome thing. But when you're starting to drift through life, if you don't, you're not clear on your mission and living by that mission in the full alignment, then that's when you have the people in your life that will drain you, you'll drain them, and you have conflict. So I love that you said that, man. So Army Brat, you moved all around. Where did you settle in your adult years finally? Did you settle like first in South Florida? 
Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I was born abroad. I was actually born uh, right outside of Seoul, South Korea. My father was a military intelligence Korean linguist for 20 plus years in the army. I'm third generation army family. So I was born there and then I uh, lived uh, in eight states and three countries. By the time I was uh, in high school, I was getting out of high school and my dad went into the civilian sector business and retired out of the military. And so I spent most of my time actually throughout California and Florida throughout growing up, starting in California and then moving over to Florida. So I've been in Florida off and on for the last 10 years. Gotcha. Okay. And then what did you do right out of high school? Did you go to college or did you start your business or tell us the, tell us the journey you took on your entrepreneurial journey? Yes. That's a great question. I've actually never spoken about this before. So super exciting to answer that question, you know, not to sugarcoat it. You know, school wasn't really my thing, you know, at the age of 14 to be exact between ninth and 10th grade, you know, I, my dad was, uh, had a really important job. He traveled a lot, wasn't around a lot. And there was a moment as a child, as a teenager, where I wanted to be more, I wanted to do more. I'm the second of four children, two boys and two girls. And, you know, there was a lot, obviously, for my siblings that needed, they needed to have that, you know, I finally realized, hey, I got to man up, I got to figure it out. You know, I'm the oldest boy of the four kids. So I finally went to my sister and I said, look, I want to get a job. I want to work. I want to be able to provide for myself. I want to be able to help my family. You know, this was between ninth and 10th grade. I want to go to work. And I, I made the decision. I went to my parents and they said, well, you have to go to school. You have to finish school. And I told my parents, I said, well, if I can go get a job and I can provide for myself and I can pay my own bills and do the best I can, this is ninth, 10th grade. You know, I want to go homeschool. I want to be homeschooled and I want to go to work. My parents said, if you can go get a job and you can prove to us that you have a job, we'll support you. My mom said, I'll homeschool you. If that's what you want and you know, go for it, right? We support you. And my dad traveled a lot. He wasn't around a lot. And so I did that. And then what I did was I was actually one of the youngest uh, professional caddies uh, by Caddy Masters Incorporated at a course called Cordoval uh, in San Martin, California, where Tiger, they said it was his comeback tournament when he won the fries, the fries.com years yeah. ago. And I actually went from being a single bag, double bag, and four caddy, certified one of the youngest ones ever at the beginning. This is bringing it back, right? Late 90s. Uh, one of the youngest ones to go through the program successfully, be certified as a professional caddy, and then have, I guess, the the goal to actually go out to professional golf tournaments and say, hey, I'm a professional caddy and you need me because I'm awesome, right? I was young, I was full yeah. of piss and vinegar and actually got on some bags and actually made some cuts and actually made some money and wow. then started to call myself a professional caddy at 15, 16 years old. And so then I started getting jobs like, you know, they say fake it till you make it. I never really yeah. faked it. I, I was it. I just went to the biggest stage to the senior PGA tour because I was in the golf business and had the resume to back it up and had the references and the credentials that people took me serious. Even though I was a kid, they said, man, you got it. You know, you're doing it. You live it. You got it. <laughs> and so next thing you know, I'm, I'm doing senior PGA tour tournaments where I'm getting calls. I don't even have a driver's license. Oh, and wow, they're man. saying, Hey, can you caddy the Siebel classic? Can you caddy for so-and-so, so-and-so's regular caddy, you know, didn't come to the West Coast swing. They're out on the East Coast or they're abroad or whatever the case may be. So I was one of the youngest caddies to caddy on the senior PGA tour, not related to a player. And then I made a business of it for a little while where I would get calls and I would get opportunities and, you know, you make a few cuts, you make a little bit of money, you know, so it was a cool experience. And that I would say definitely, you know, developed my entrepreneurial drive to make 
an opportunity to create an opportunity to build relationships, to be able to be around a lot of successful and powerful people and be able to see how they carry themselves, their emotional intelligence, their business acumen, the way they speak, the way they think, the way they move. And I was a teenager and then I was able to bring my dad into it. So a big part of that for me that meant a lot to me and why I did it and why I chose it as a job was my dad was the number two all-army golfer on the all-army golf team all around the world while I was growing up. So I got to see every professional golfer. I got the opportunity to be around a lot of dignitaries and popes and meet a lot of people growing up as a child, different parts abroad as well as here in the States. So I never played the game and maybe I Maybe I would have been on tour right now playing, but that would have been a different life. But, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. But golf definitely opened up my eyes. I had success to the point where homeschool wasn't my thing. I dropped out of homeschooling uh, to go back to the educational part of the question. And I went and got my GED. And my parents supported me because they saw what I had done. They saw the success I had had, the drive I had, the waking up at 4 a.m., you know, never quitting, the always wanting to work, always wanting to go, always wanting to do more, be better. And, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, honestly, so, when I was a kid. So hold up, hold up, hold up. So you didn't play golf at all? I started to play when I was, when I was 13. Yeah. Um, by, the time, by the time I was 14, I was playing tournaments and winning tournaments. And it was more of a regional uh, thing yep. out in California. Yep. Uh, but that, that knowledge and that ability, I was about a four handicap. So I was pretty, pretty solid golfer, mm-hmm. uh, at a young age, that aptitude of the game and the ability and understanding was what got me the opportunity to go to Caddy Masters Incorporated, go to be a professional caddy at Court of All, go from Court of All to the senior PJ tour. I definitely didn't just walk into it. Right. Right. I was going to say, I'm a, I'm a golfer, by the way. Well, I haven't played oh, recently, so- uh, but. I got down to a three and a half, somewhere in that range. So I'm similar to where you were, but I stopped playing in the last year and a half, two years since I've gone on this wild journey that I'm on. And I just don't have the interest to be out there for four or five hours when there's so much to accomplish, you know? And, uh, but no, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm big into golf and watching golf and all that now too. So that's, that's pretty cool. I love this. I didn't know that about you. That's awesome. And and so from there, like you went and got your GED, then what was the, you know, what was your first like venture into business? Yeah. Well, I mean, caddying, caddying was my first venture. But then, um, like understanding now, having the emotional intelligence, hitting you know seventeen, eighteen years old, moving to Florida, my mom picking up a job at a major university out here, giving me the opportunity to be around a D one program in FSU to be exact uh, in Tallahassee, Florida, Florida State University, being able to play golf with a lot of really amazing, talented people. But I didn't have the grades. You have to remember, right? I was a, a high school dropout, turned homeschool, turned GED. And, you know, education wasn't really my thing. It wasn't what, it wasn't that I wasn't smart or not capable. I did some amazing things at a young age and continue to do it, but it just didn't entertain me. I knew that I wanted to do more and be more. And I learned in a different way and I had the aptitude to do it. I just couldn't sit in a room and flip pages. It just wasn't my way of learning. And so moving, moving forward, I went to school and I had a little bit of money and had freedom. I had my own apartment. I had everything because I'd earn my own income. And so I told my parents, they said, well, we want to buy you a house on one of the, the country clubs there because you're that good. And we believe in you and we want to support you. We want you to get your grades up and go to the community college and go to summer classes at FSU because we know you're good enough to make the team. And so I would go practice with the team and I'd play with the team and I'd have fun as a, as a college kid does as a young man. 
and do all those things that you do in, in college. And I realized I was good enough, but I didn't have an interest in school. And so I then started to throw parties. I started to throw parties and I parlayed these nightclubs and these being a promoter in a, in a very popular party college town to take the show on the road. So then I, as an entrepreneur and having this understanding and, and emotional intelligence and building my muscle of you know, our brain to then teach myself, okay, hey, spring break. Spring break, very simple, is a big opportunity. There's a lot of business and where do people go? And for this market, it was Panama City Beach. Mm-hmm. So then I went to Panama City Beach, early 2000s, and I showed up and I worked for somebody else. I learned the business. I did really well. And I came back the next year as their competitor. And, and I this, opened up- this was, this was what? Throwing, throwing parties at different venues or promoting? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, to be exact, it was Spinnaker, Club La Vila, yeah. Hammerhead Freds, all the destinations yep. in Panama City Beach. I came back as basically an investor and a promoter, but I knew one thing that a lot of people didn't. I knew how to go out and get sponsors. I know how to go out and get marketing dollars. I know how to do a lot of JV deals. And a a lot of this language that people know now that didn't know in the late 90s and the early 2000s, I didn't know it either, but I was living it. I was doing it, right? Right, right. I was boots on on the the ground, uh, figuring it out on the way. Yeah. And, and I had a blast doing it because I wasn't doing it for the money. Right. I was doing it for the freedom. I was doing it for the f- flexibility. And I was doing it, quite frankly, just to get out of school because I didn't want to be in a school walking around having daydreams of like, what if that person has you know, a watch that I want? That person has the car that I want. That mm-hmm. person gets to wear cool clothes that I want. And I can't afford I got tired of being told no by my parents. I got tired in a, in a nice way. I got tired of being told what I could and what I could not do and money being the defining factor. And I always told myself, whatever I have to do the right way, whatever I have to do to go out and work and create something so that money's not the defining factor of holding me back from an experience. I've always believed in experiences and I've always believed in connecting and being able to travel and being able to have culture because I didn't know what I had when I was a child. And as I got older and I realized how how much opportunity I had and the things that were given to me, and I didn't realize the magnitude of what it was. And then as I got older and started to grow in that, that 17 to 21 phase, I said, man, I have something that most people will never get. The opportunities, the, the relationships, the environment, this is special. I have to cash in, right? If I don't cash in, I'm doing myself a disservice and everybody around me because I have some insane access. And I have yeah. some amazing people that are around me. And at the end of the day, what do we need to continue to push forward? We have to have capital. We have to have resources. We have to have relationships. relationships and yeah. in order to maintain all that, you have to have money. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Money's the last thing, but money's a byproduct of doing things the right way, right? And people seeing the value in that and wanting to experience that and wanting to invest in that and wanting to be a part of it. So I, I learned all this at a young age, but then of course there's roadblocks, right? There's partying, there's your friends, there's experiences that you, you're, you're a kid, you know, that you want to be a part of, right? You want to 
you want to just be a kid sometimes and you want to just unplug and, you know, jump out of an airplane or go fish for sharks or, yeah. you know, or, or drink a beer and just be normal. Or 12. Uh, no matter. Then. Yeah. 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 And just, you know, it didn't matter how much success you had or how much failure you had or doing something the right way or doing something the wrong way, you know? And so I, I spent a little time enjoying myself and I eventually blew all my money. I blew all my money. And my family said, wow, you went down a rabbit hole. You're like a tornado. And I come again from an active duty army family. And my whole family said, hey, we're disappointed in you. You made millions of dollars. I made my first million at 20. And you know, you blew it, right? You blew it. We can't believe you blew it, right? You had a blessing from God. And you had an opportunity that people don't get and you blew it. And I said, you know what? You know, I had like dark moments, but then I came back and I said, you know, I'm going to go in the army. Right. I'm going to enlist. I'm going to go in the army. I'm 22 years old. It's May 2007. And I remember calling my dad crying and telling my dad, you know what? You're right. I'm going to have to get it together. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to go in the army. But I didn't want to leave the opportunities I had, the relationships I had built because I still could make money and I still was making money. But I just went and just lived a lavish life for a, quite a while. And I just, yeah, you know, I, I screwed up. So I went and I enlisted in the reserves as a diesel mechanic. I went to basic combat training. I got out 10 and a half weeks, very proud of myself. I uh, went to AIT, Fort Jackson, Columbia, South Carolina. We graduated, didn't fail, very proud of myself. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. Didn't have a clue what I signed <laughs> up for. And physically, emotionally, it was like, wow, it was something, you know? And then fast forward, you know, I spent some time. I was a diesel mechanic. I got attached to a combat engineer unit. Long story, fast forward, life goes on. I, you know, got out, right? And everything was as business was. I was making six figures. I was doing good. I had different projects, different things I invested in and was a part of. But for me, when it really kind of hit home was 2017 when I started to pay attention to cryptocurrency, when I started to see what I had invested in starting to understand I had the opportunity to kind of bounce back and do it all again and not just be a, a six-figure earner and live a upper middle-class life and you know be able to still have all the freedom and flexibility that I always wanted. But now I had something special. I had all these relationships over 15 years of my life. I had the ability to do so many things to connect you know, on a global scale. Yeah. So, so with that being said, so then for people that are listening that still don't understand crypto, still don't understand NFTs and all that, what did you do to start learning? Like, What was the specifics that you did, the first few steps that you did to start really learning about it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I went to, I call it YouTube University, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, It's one of the best resources to learn on, on a budget or no budget at all. So I, I went to YouTube and I started to look up a lot of people. And I think like a lot of people, we look for views, we look for when it's posted how many people liked it, thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, and, and just kind of look at the schematics of the, of the content, right? To see how viral it is or how, you know, well-known it is. So then I just started to, to watch videos. I went on YouTube. I started to follow influencers. I went on social media and just started to really dig and watch videos. I bought a few courses. We've all, you know, got, got stuck in that where sometimes we bought courses where we were unaware what we were buying. We just did it kind of out of the fear of missing out, the FOMO. And then I, I went to a lot of events, you know, I went to a lot of masterminds, you know, Napoleon Hill, you know, think and grow rich. I'm a big believer in that. So 
I just invested. I just started to travel, married, baby at the time. You know, my 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 only child was born April 2016. So I had a, a young child at the house. Um, I started to do insurance. I started to invest in a few things and do a few jobs to keep it going and keep money coming in. Right. Sometimes projects work, sometimes projects don't work. But one thing I realized about crypto, one thing I realized about you know, now NFTs, which I realized years ago before a lot of the people got hip to it was, you know, there was the ability to use the blockchain to do transactions and do, you know, things that were a little bit more private and people had the power and the ability to do business on an international platform, right? To use the blockchain to pay for goods and services for their business or for somebody else's business and also be able to, you know, give that knowledge and information and help to their friends, to their family and loved ones. So I started to really just network with different people that were in the community. You know, it's big on community and started to just surround myself with people that were way smarter than me that really were, you know, geeking out on this stuff. And I started to say, Hey, what can I do to be around these people? I can buy them lunch, right? I can go to events where they're speaking. I can take notes. I can, you know, offer them a gift, you know, Hey, you want to go hang out for a day at the theme park? I'll pay for it. You know, I would love to love to go ride some roller coasters together and get to know you. You know, let's go play golf. Let's shoot guns. Let's go fish. Just experiences. Yeah. One thing I've learned is it, it really all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that just kind of, that is. Did you ever like, did you have a period of time where you lost a lot of money at first in it? Yeah. I would say I probably, I would consistently do, well, Bitcoin was my thing since 2013. And I spent a lot of it being ignorant, being unaware not educating myself. You know, I'd have hundreds of millions of dollars right now. I look at I look back at wallets that I had years ago where I would go make money and then I would literally go buy clothes with it. I would mm-hmm. make money and I would go buy a vacation. You yeah. know, and I would literally yeah, yeah. I got I remember when ATMs came out and you could cash the money out, right? Yeah. And it was a two-way ATM and you could sell your Bitcoin and I was so excited. I was like, oh it's like it's like the casino wrong dude, frame of mind, money. Right? Wrong wrong um, frame of mind to build wealth, right? Wrong, so wrong, yeah. wrong frame, wrong yeah. frame. So I spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that definitely turned into tens of millions, you know, and and not having those tens of millions and looking back, you learn like, okay, hey, this wasn't a piggy bank, right? This was something that needed to stay there. So in 2017, I learned that and obviously it was still early. And then, you know, in 2019, I got heavy into uh, live streaming before the pandemic and I knew that that was coming. I knew that it was a thing. And I was I helped build a company and some components in tech uh, with live streaming. And so I started to look at non-fungible tokens in the blockchain and going to events before the pandemic hit in 2020 to network with other like-minded people that had the technical side of what I was creating and what I was envisioning. I was building the front end out, but I didn't have the back end. I knew how it would look, but I didn't know how to build it, right? So then I focused on a lot of that on 2019, traveled all around the country, building that out. And then in 2020, being able to be a part of a few companies you know, and f- be a co-founder of those companies or sit on the board of those companies now that are launched and flourishing in tech, NFTs, and monetization of you know subscription-based content and social media platforms. What was the streaming pl- platform that you were building called? Viewstub, viewstub.com. Viewstub. And is it still going? Yeah, it's booming. Yeah. See, I don't know much about that stuff, man. My son probably knows more about it. I should get more into it. But, but, and then, yeah. and then with, with the Bitcoin and, and, uh, crypto and NFTs, like, 
how much money have you made? You don't have to tell me exactly, but like getting in still 17, which was pretty early and learning the lesson from early on, like, have you like crushed it or what? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a journey. I mean, I've obviously parlayed that into other things, being able to invest in companies, you know, and being able to travel and live comfortably. So multiple seven figures, but I would say, you know, I'm a big component of put it right back in. So I've taken most of what I've made and I, you know, the opportunities I have now is because I've physically and financially paid. Nobody's paid for me. No, nobody's, you know, I didn't go to a bank and pull a loan out, not saying that that's wrong. I didn't go and say, Hey, I need a million bucks because I have a great idea. Hey, I need somebody to, you know, pay for me to go to this mastermind so I can go meet somebody and get a job. I've always bankrolled myself. I've gone in debt. I've gone flat broke. And I've also bounced back four different times in my life. Every four time times. stronger. You hear that? Four, four times, times, guys. Four times, he says. <laughs> you know, every and, and 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 now I'm on my fourth time. I'm grateful for the three previous scenarios. And I'm grateful for what a lot of us would say are failures because now I use it as fuel to be successful because that I, I say like in my mind right now, I have a hundred million dollars. I have a hundred million dollars in my mind. Right. Yeah, he, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm he holding. just said that. I just want to I, I just want to like like make sure everybody heard that. He used all that for rocket fuel for his future. Like just everybody heard that. It was a little plug. <laughs> That's what the book's about. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> so so you know, I, I tell people on a consistent basis. I have a hundred million dollars in knowledge and I'm going to make a hundred million dollars and I'm going not to do a deal the wrong way. I'm going to do a deal the right way. And I'm not going to be greedy or appreciative. I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to be fair, right? Because that's what I've learned along this journey is you, you have to be fair. You have to be grateful and you have to be humble. You can have confidence, but ego is definitely not your amigo. Like yeah, it's, no it's definitely it. not. So look, dude, as we're winding down, cause I want to respect your time. What are you on to now? Like what's the future look like for you and your companies? Like, what do you like? Besides, I know you said hundred million, of course, like I, I love that. And, uh, but specifically what's the vision? Yeah. The vision is to continue to be a part of companies that are decentralized are all about giving power to the creator, giving power to the individual on a global scale. I've just recently started to really branch out and do my first pretty significant deals on an international level. And then I'm going to be doing some some uh, projects that are going to be coming out in the next 90 days that are being built out and developed right now and some partnerships. So my focus right now is a platform called Famigo.com. And it stands for Family and Amigo. And this company was started. I'm the CRO. I'm the chief revenue officer, one of the primaries at the company. And the reason I came on to this this launch and helped them do their global launch at the Latin Billboards a couple of weeks ago, and I came onto the company a couple of months ago with the knowledge and experience that I have in digital marketing, branding, and tech and NFTs is because they wanted to have all these different pieces of the project. They wanted to, you know, be able to help monetize not just here in the US, right? With other social media platforms, having a focus on North America. They wanted to be able to share this internationally. They wanted to be able to give people the opportunity to monetize their talent and skill set without any shadow banning, without any algorithms, without any AI, and then having to buy back your data and run ads just to be seen. We want to give the stay-at-home mom that makes apple pies, the small business owner that works on trucks, all the way up to the famous celebrity or wealthy billionaire that has a message to share, some type of content that they want to monetize. Wanted to give people an international component 
to where they can share this, not just here in the US, but equal parts in other countries. So the reason that I came on was to, again, decentralize and really give back the power to the creator. A lot of people talk about it, but most platforms don't actually do it, which is unfortunate. And I wanted to have people have the ability to control a majority of the revenue going back to the individual, no matter, again, if it's a stay-at-home mom trying to teach how to lose weight and do yoga and meditate, all the way up to the, the, the celebrity that sold hundreds of millions of records global, you know, superstar that you listen to every day on, on your favorite, uh, you know, podcast, your favorite, you know, streaming platform. So with that being said, one thing that we have that, you know, I just want to share here for everybody that's listening is having the ability to monetize on a subscription-based platform, but on a global scale. We're currently, and I say currently, because as everybody always does, I'm sure somebody's going to try to compete. We're currently the only active platform that's licensed insured, secured, everything's I's are dotted, T's are crossed. We're the only global social media platform where you can go monetize your content in over 55 countries between the US and abroad and over 120 countries people can pay you for your content. We have an international commerce, a digital wallet being able to send transactions as low as $5 all the way up to you name it. We're doing some pretty big deals on that platform right now. So being able to send a transaction to Colombia and pay somebody for goods and services, and that person in Colombia being able to then stimulate that economy on Famigo from their profile to somebody in Canada, and then that person being able to buy goods and services with somebody in Mexico and changing from their local currency of country of origin to the following country where they're sending it to, you're talking about international banking. A lot of people don't have that ability. Only the wealthy, only the powerful have the ability to even do an international bank wire, right? I know this because I'm learning this and I'm seeing the world from different perspectives. So I'm excited to give people the opportunity to pay their car payment, to pay their cell phone, to pay their rent, to pay their food, to have the ability to monetize all these things at the smallest level, all the way up to the biggest opportunities to do international business and invest and grow and build. Right, and all across can, all across the world. Where can people find Famigo? Is it on app stores? So we have right. native apps, but I recommend initially creating their profile on our web-based platform, which is famigo.com. F-A-M-I-G-O, famigo.com. And once again, it stands for family and amigo. Right. We want to we want to bring everybody together. So you can create your profile, connect your banking information, start using it. It's absolutely free. Connect, engage, ask questions, reach out to us, you know. It's cool. It's exciting. This is, I don't want to give them a plug, but I'll give them a plug. This is Facebook quarter three, year one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. We'll, uh, we'll be looking more for more information and uh, news coming out of Famigo, man, and everything that you're doing, we're going to follow. And I lo- I'm looking forward to working with you on some kind of project here in the future, I'm sure. So great, dude. Thanks for coming on the show, man. If I can ever do anything for you, all you gotta do is reach out. We'll be setting up a call here soon just to discuss some, some opportunities. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on the show, Colin. No, I appreciate it, Mike. And big shout out to you with the book and, and the podcast and, and everything you're doing, man. It's, uh, it's inspiring to, to be around people that, that want to be better, want to grow, want to level up. So congrats to everything. Thanks, brother. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike Searock. And obviously, now that you've heard his story, Cullen Stack, the unstoppable. Keep coming back. Keep doing what we're talking about, guys. Implementing your life and you will become unstoppable too. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? 
Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.